0: the creator of the Christian Doormat blog. I created this blog so that I could share with others some of the interviews and resources I gather as I work on writing a book. The best way to describe these interviews is by comparing them to the conversations between Mitch Albom, the author of Tuesdays with Maury, and his university professor, Maury Schwartz. From time to time, I get the opportunity to talk with the Maurice in my life and ask them questions and listen to their perspectives on different topics. talk with Dr. Jennifer finlayson fife about respecting the differing beliefs of others. Dr. Finlayson-Fife is a licensed psychotherapist with a PhD in counseling psychology from Boston College where she wrote her dissertation on LDS women and sexuality. She has taught college-level classes on human sexuality and currently has a private therapy practice in Chicago where she lives with her husband and three children.
1: Okay, so another thing I've been thinking about, you know, in the Book of Mormon, you have Samuel the Lamanite, who goes into the city, and he's preaching, and they don't want him there, so they kick him out, and so he comes back, and he kick him out again, and so then he climbs up on the wall, like, he's just being really persistent about the whole thing, Mm -hmm. and I I know Mm -hmm. me and my own bias, like, that I'm, like, I'm cheering him on, like, you go, Samuel, like, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. then I, like, step back, and I look at that, and I think, well, is there like, is there virtue in what he's doing? Like, he's really being persistent and kind of bold and, you know, it's clear that they don't want him, but he's still going to go deliver that message. And when is that virtuous, you know, that persistence and that boldness mm-hmm, virtuous? Mm-hmm. So I guess in my yeah. mind I'm trying to figure out, like, well, what's the moral goodness in being bold and persistent in your beliefs and sharing them even when they don't want to be shared? And when is it really crossing yeah. that boundary where it's it's just there is no goodness in what you're doing?
2: I mean, I think what I would say is you're asking the right questions about it because I think you have to look at what is, is it actually creating? Because very often when people are standing up for goodness, they are paying a heavy price for it. You know, you take Elizabeth Caddy Stanton and, you know, Susan B. Anthony that were getting put in jail and they were getting, you know, And they were being told that they were basically godless women, okay? That they were like, that they were working against womanhood and the goodness of society because they thought women deserved to cast their own vote. To us now, it's like, duh, of course, okay? (laughs) But to the society, these were seen as uh, unfeminine, indecent women by most of society, right? And it's really easy to be threatened by change, to be threatened and to want to just call it evil. Yeah. It's our first instinct. I mean, it really is. Like, this is foreign. I don't know it. It therefore must be bad. <laughs> <Okay>. Right. <laughs> and um, that's just in our heart. It's in our DNA to do that. And I think being very cautious to write something or someone off before we give it um, a thoughtful, integrity-based response is really important. But ultimately, it's about what does it create? What is it, does it create more strength or less strength? Does it create a better world or not? Most of us are so terrified of critique that we just will blow off a spouse, we'll blow off a child, we'll blow off a friend who's yeah. trying to tell us something we gotta, that we need to actually deal with. And, you know, I think Uh, Kate Kelly and Sam Young are speaking to vulnerabilities in our community, but sometimes we're so protective, meaning places where we need to grow. Right. But we are sometimes so protective of a view of ourselves as above reproach, and people do this in marriage all the time, um, that you you begin to deal with your own weakness, so busy coddling that that you've gotten it all right and that makes you weaker not stronger but a lot of times we're just so self-protective that we're not willing to consider where or an outside or maybe getting it right about and wise people are willing to take a look even when it hurts yeah wise people are willing to look at what they're not getting right that's what allows you to grow and get stronger in my view that's the gospel in a nutshell is you're willing to repent you're willing to look at where you're willing to know who you are child of God what strength you have but you're willing to look at what you are not yet where you're weak where you're vulnerable where you haven't grown yet and be willing to tolerate that discomfort of self confrontation of repentance growing I don't mean repenting in this like you know sort of ritualized way that we talk about it, like go to the you know, bishop and all. I mean, I mean yeah. it in the sort of sense of the word of just shifting trajectory, changing, and doing something better. That's what makes us stronger. That's fundamental to becoming more Christ-like or more godly. And so when we resist that process, we make ourselves weaker, always. You can't resist truth and be strong. When we lack integrity, we will not be at peace when we resist our integrity, we will be weak. And so, so the, the bigger message, I think, though, the bigger question you're asking, I think that I, as well in this, is the idea of, you know, when is it moral character to get up on the wall and be telling everybody what to do? And when is it just, you know, wrong and you should just go home? Um, And again it it just the short answer is what is it creating are you you know there's different kinds of leaders you have people that appeal to the best in humanity they push you to be better Abraham Lincoln pushing you to be stronger Hmm. pushing you to to do what is the best in um, in our capacity as human beings and then you have people that exploit the worst in humanity they exploit the the tribal part of ourselves the fear-based part of part of ourselves the cruel part of ourselves and so what is it that you're speaking to in the people? That's what determines whether or not it's good or evil.
1: So if someone, kind of along that same line though, if someone's approaching you and suggesting mm-hmm. that maybe your perspective's off or you're seeing things wrong or they're, you know, maybe they're challenging your religious or your political views or How do you sort through all of that so that you're not just being weak and just holding to your guns to what you believe without really considering what's being Mm -hmm. brought to you but also not being weak where you're just kind of saying okay you're right i'm wrong and kind of tossing aside Mm -hmm. your perspective and grabbing Mm -hmm. hold
2: of that Um, again i would be looking at the motivation of myself and the motivation of the speaker um i I think, first of all, why some people handle it better is they trust themselves more than other people do. I mean, some of us have learned to trust ourselves because we've been willing to um, struggle with questions, struggle with the issue of what's right and wrong. We haven't just defined ourselves based on what everyone else has told us to be. And so we trust our ability to think through something, and we trust our ability to kind of struggle with it honestly. I think those of us who have run our lives more by seeking other people's validation feel threatened when someone else is pushing another view because they know that validation pressures them a lot. So they feel afraid of the part of them that is driven to comply or agree. Mm -hmm. Um, Or they feel challenged by the invalidation that's going to happen by somebody having a different view than them. So they may just resist the acknowledgement or the awareness of that real difference because they're too validation-based. Yeah. Um, I think the second factor is what's, again, what's motivating the speaker? Is it about a genuine sharing of an idea and a perspective and a and a point of view? Or is it about trying to basically get you to agree with my view and reinforce me and I'm gonna withhold validation or, or keep on the validation in order to make that happen so i think that's a big part of the struggle but i know for myself i, I know for myself that there is a feeling of when how to say it when i know that i'm just reactively blowing off an idea because i don't want my current idea to be challenged <laughs> yeah and i and, and it doesn't mean that the challenging idea is all correct It. That yeah. just means there's probably something, there's probably something in it that I just don't want to deal with. Yeah. And especially this is happening in our country right now, which I can see more clearly the more distant I'm at arm's length. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think that there is um, so much vilifying of the other side and creating a caricature of the other political view that you make it so you don't have to deal with what's true in it. this is very dangerous for us as people very very dangerous for us very easy to do especially the way that we consume the news the way that it gets how we you know reinforce the kind of caricature of the other side yeah and it makes us it's threatening it makes us weaker because we aren't dealing with where we're blind we're not caring about the collective because we that 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 divided house will fall okay yeah and so when we won't look at where we're wrong we make ourselves weaker i can tell in myself even though i always hate it (laughs) when i'm just (laughs) trying to just blow up an idea that i don't want to deal with yeah rather than taking an honest look at it and looking at what i might not be interested in dealing with but something in there tells me there's truth in it that i need to look at and the reason I don't like it is it's just inconvenient. It just means I have to grow up my own view. It means I have to expand myself towards other people uh, when I'd much rather just be right as I see things currently. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think it's a self-honesty thing and I can kind of feel it when I'm just trying to kind of minimize something so I don't have to see it. I guess
1: And then there's just, there's value in like self-confrontation whether or not, I mean, you think about, like this, the Lamanites and the Nephites, and I think, man, what would I, how would I have reacted if I was a Lamanite or a Nephite? And yep. one of them's coming to me and saying, hey, your traditions are wrong. But I think it doesn't seem to be dangerous to self-confront or to consider whether or not there's right. any truth in what's being presented, but I still think, I mean, what you're saying is there's value in...
2: The yeah, truth. it makes you stronger. It makes you stronger. I mean... in for me the process of really honestly struggling with my beliefs and really claiming for myself what I uh, believe was true and what I didn't it made my beliefs stronger and how to say it going through that process honestly allowed me to really claim in a genuine way what I believe was true because I've really grappled honestly with those questions and while I let go of some things that I thought were wrong I mean that also made me stronger. I felt like I was getting clear about what really is true and what is not true, what is good and what is not good. Yeah. That's a very, very important process that I think a lot of us are afraid of. Yeah. But I think it's a part of our theology too, is you have to claim your own testimony. You have to get your own understanding of God to come to know God. And it's not just going to be handed to you through the traditions or the paradigm or the thinking of everybody around you. Yeah. That's just a really lazy, lazy way to do faith and the pursuit of goodness. And, you know, I, I have clients who are very devout and very um, conforming, I suppose, if that's the right way to say it, uh, who will not self confront in session, who will not deal with their own cruelty, who will not deal with how they're making their spouse miserable. And yet they claim to be God-fearing people. And my, my retort to them is like, you don't believe in God, in my view, because you have no faith in dealing with what is true. You have no faith in actual goodness. And you kind of give a bad name to to the church. You give a bad name to the way that you operate because you're kind of claiming all these hollow sort of Uh, Outward appearance of goodness, but you won't actually confront your own indecency and your own unloving nature and um, That's you know, I think that's really the measure of how good we really Desire to be yeah, how we really are in relationship to one another and to facing ourselves Okay, so
1: one time when we were talking you said and I think it's very profound you said love is what brings you into wisdom not ideology I mean, for me, when I am trying to, like, make sense of an idea or a perspective or something, a thought, I'll pour a lot Mm -hmm. of time into, like, kind of reading other people's perspectives on it, having, like, conversations Mm -hmm. with other people, really thinking about it and trying to write it out, and just Mm -hmm. trying to really wrap my hand around it. But it sounds like what you're saying is that while that Mm -hmm. is good and serves a purpose, that love is even more Mm -hmm. powerful to understanding wisdom than all that thinking can be. So I kind of just want to hear some of your thoughts on what you mean by that phrase that it's love that brings you into wisdom, not ideology.
2: Yeah, I think this is very much a Christian idea, which is that, you know, love is what all the principles are based on. And that coming to know God, you come to know God through loving others. So by wisdom, I mean, you know, really understanding God or understanding what is true. Is going to be informed most by reaching towards people that are different than you, mm. by reaching sincerely towards those who disconfirm the view of yourself that you want, or the world, the view of the world that you want. Um, that that's what teaches us a lot about um, how to be strong, good people. And you know, you can be educated, but or you, but that's not the same thing as being wise. Wise is being able to really understand what are the true principles that operate in the world and really shape and affect us deeply. And um, I think you can't really come into wisdom without really having it be informed by caring about humanity, um, yourself included, but really reaching towards the human experience and all of its variation, but what are the profound truths that tie it all together? Hmm. And I think that, you know, I, I think I've learned a lot about goodness and truth by being willing to face myself honestly, but willing to really know others honestly and how they're different from me. And, you know, I think that makes us all stronger when we do that. Yeah. And it's an honest pursuit. It's not about convincing or being convinced. It's more about being willing to know and be known. Honesty is a way that, that self-honesty is really fundamental to forging a self. And to be able to know what integrity is, you have to have enough of a self-reference uh, and what you think is right and wrong to, and enough you know honesty in the pursuit of that. Um, that's really pivotal or really fundamental to, to developing a self and developing the capacity to love.